0: In the great southern land of Australia, it is summer. Hi summer. And I like much of the country, It's taken a brief respite from travel restrictions to make my way to the beach. And here I am, listening to the sound of the waves. And yet still speaking to the good listeners of the Burning Archive podcast about the year that was 2021 and the year to be 2022 against the big themes of empires, politics, society and culture that are the Burning Archive. What mattered most last year What will happen next? They are the questions for the Summer Edition of the Burning Archive. The Summer Edition from the Burning Archive. Welcome to another special summer edition of The Burning Archive. Uh, This is now the fourth in the summer editions of The Burning Archive. The first reviewed the big events of 2021. And then I looked at my themes of imperial rivalry and political decay, now called political disorder. Looking at how I've treated that theme in the podcast, what I've learned about, thinking about, talking about the issue over the last year. What I saw is perhaps some of the major observations about 2021 against that theme and then making a prediction about how things might progress in 2022. And I am going to focus in this episode on... The third of my big themes, social fragmentation. Social fragmentation, I guess when I I first started out uh, articulating these themes in uh, the podcast, social fragmentation was the one I've actually struggled hardest to really give the right uh, rubric or, you know, label or name. Uh, I thought about polarisation, fissuring, all sorts of different terms and uh, it's it's a term that's harder to find a real anchor in I guess in academic literature but there is some uh, literature about social fragmentation and I guess I was trying to evoke in that not just conflicts between people or conflicts between elites and masses but a, a sort of sense of disappointment that Although life is better in so many dramatic ways, although we see so much progress in many ways, being richer, older, healthier, better, educated, something still seemed not quite right about how our societies were going. No one seemed all that happy to be living together and sharing the same public institutions. Yes, we enjoy better societies, but we worry that we've lost a sense of community and our politics seem particularly, but not just our politics, our culture, the culture wars. Seeing our media, our television shows, uh, our, our shared public spaces seem beset by bitter polarisation. Perhaps more bitter in and more polarized in some societies than others, especially the United States being perhaps an extreme example. But there is this sense that the social progress that we are making is being held back by a rival of social fragmentation, and that that might eat away at the gains of the very real gains in longevity and wealth and education. That we've experienced. And uh, initially I addressed this topic through three episodes in episodes 11, 12 and 13. Uh, The first was social progress and social fragmentation and there I particularly looked at the work of Emmanuel Todd, a French sociologist I guess. Lineages of modernity, a history of humanity from the Stone Age to Homo Americanus. And, you know, some big themes like ageing and uh, family structure, etc. Which show sort of a long, long pattern of change in uh, social arrangements. And then I looked at, in the episode 12, Towards the Society of Islands. I sort of explored this theme of the apparent increasing distance between elites and ordinary people, the 1% versus the 99%. And whether some of the extremes of inequality and wealth and I guess the barriers people are able, I mean I guess the bubbles people are able to create around themselves with extreme wealth, sealed off villas and that sort of thing, um... Whether they were contributing to conflict, social breakdown, even revolution, uh, and I guess when I started out the the podcast, it was against a, a background, I guess, of a year or so of riots and and demonstrations and all that sort of thing in, particularly in America, but also in broadly I guess across the Anglo-American world and in a lot of Europe as well. So how do we deal with conflict I was wondering and is it possible to I guess heal the fissures of our fragmented society or whether we shouldn't rather find civil bridges between uh, the different identities or different communities or subsets or fragments of our society rather than trying to pull it all together as one big cohesive whole under a single unified banner of whatever whatever type that is, whether it's nation or political affiliation or religious racial identities, gender identities. Sexual preferences, whatever single attribute people may wish to build their uh, community around. And then in episode 13, I looked at change everything but change itself and looked, I guess, at, at the, the rumbling underneath a lot of that social fragmentation, which is just an accelerating pace of social change in society and how that is not easy for people and in itself perhaps breeds some of the instability and also the fear of instability in people's precious sources of identity. So I wondered if social change plus the identity impacts of that change plus I guess, the amplification of fragmentation and that self-made identity uh, that has been enabled by digital media and social media, plus the, I guess, the cultural viruses, the cultural viruses of social media and, I guess, some of our dogmatic ways of treating people with different viewpoints, ways of life, perspectives. That uh, seem to have spread a little bit in the last few years. All of these, I think, have contributed to a profound uncertainty about who we are and how we should work together. And then in the midst of all of that, goddammit, there's a pandemic, uh, <laughs> which Uh, If there were strains and fissures and fragmentations and polarizations and different communities having trouble talking to each other and conflict between elites and the masses and experts and, you know, uh, populists, then all of that was made, uh, turned into a pretty crazy witch's brew with the pandemic. But in addition to those episodes, I also, in a couple of the later episodes, I actually really addressed this theme of uh, social fragmentation. In episodes 19 and 20, I I had a bit of a close look at Vaclav Havel's Czech dissident's work. So in episode 19, Vaclav Havel's letter to a lockdown world and six asides about the powerless. Uh, That was episode 20. I looked at some of the legacy of Václav Havel's work and its relevance, I guess, particularly to the kind of world that we are in today, very specifically with big restrictions on people's way of life for good reasons or bad, uh, depending on your perspective, with the various public health restrictions and serious concerns from many people that there is a, a kind of a assertions of a kind of whether you call it mass totalitarianism or a mass uh, formation psychosis or just people getting a little bit carried away with with ensuring that their neighbors follow whatever rules that they uh, might be and take on an enforcement role for the state in a perhaps not always welcome way those issues that are really stretching I guess uh, and testing the social fabric but then also in a few of the episodes I did in response to Freya Rich's question in episode 22 a canon of one's own I also did address a number of these sort of I guess social uh, social history perspectives you could call them and that Indeed was my discipline specialty back when I was a a pseudo-professional historian back in the day. Uh, So in talking about the eight-hour working day, I talked about how our work has changed and formed and how... How there are a whole series of new dilemmas being presented for people with the pandemic and new ways of working. And in the episode on Silkworms, Silk Trade and Silk Roads, again, the whole process of technology diffusion and crossing barriers. In episodes 28 and 29, discussing the Crusades, um, so much of that was about this, well... The good and the bad of uh, people believing that they are pursuing a crusade, a holy war. Whether that holy war is inspired by religion or uh, deep faith of one kind or another. Or whether it's inspired by greed or science and a, a deep belief that one has found the one true way to solve a public health crisis and then finally in episode 30 looking at um, Jerusalem and the free faiths and the one holy land again this theme of how do we live together despite our differences despite our different faiths how can we find a, a social institutions and a tolerant culture and a generous institutions that permit the the dwelling together of people with different ways of life and different beliefs and opposed interests and yet able to find pluralistic and mutually compromised solutions to their ways of living together and this whole issue of social fragmentation and the the conflict between social fragmentation and the call to belong to one or other uh, identity even if that identity whether that identity is national or, or very particular or related to some sort of inherent attribute of one's uh, human humanity gender race whatever finding a way to to marry those those conflicts um, is a problem for all societies and one I think that we have wrestled with particularly in 2021 and 2020 and we'll wrestle with again in 2022 I probably in the end decided social fragmentation was a good a good term to describe this theme. But I, I think in the end I particularly felt I lucked upon a nice metaphor uh, with episode 12, The Society of Islands. Thinking partly of the Stockholm archipelago, but the sense that uh, one does not necessarily need to have a society of one single territory with one big fence all around it. One can perhaps live in a generous bay with many, many islands, but ways of navigating safely from one to the other. And I think in a way that that theme or that metaphor was a good way of expressing the positive resolution of the uh, conflict between social fragmentation and uh, cohesive identity around a single theme. Perhaps we'll stay together better if we stay apart a little bit. But still know how to reach each other over the waves uh, to maybe stretch the metaphor beyond breaking. So that really brings us then to what I see is, I guess, my major observation about 2021 uh, against this theme of social fragmentation. And perhaps it's no surprise that really I think the big thing for us all has been observing how societies are responding in good ways, bad ways, heated ways, not so heated ways. Positive ways, constructive ways, dysfunctional ways to uh, the 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 huge social experiment, so to speak, of the uh, lockdowns and uh, restrictions on people's normal social behaviour uh, during the pandemic of the last uh, two years, which. I very early on in the pandemic described in a blog post as the great seclusion. Uh, And look, let me just read a little bit from that blog post before commenting on some more specific points about the, the big observations in 2021. So this was a post actually on March 22, 2020. So really quite early on. And I guess at that point when everyone, uh, including well, well, most people, uh, including myself, were looking at uh, well, what the hell is going on here? And is this going to be a world historical event? Or will it just be a, a passing passing flu? What will it all mean? And I uh, evoked, a, I guess, in In the the world of history a very famous metaphor from Michel Foucault's uh, Madness and Civilization, A History of Insanity in the Age of Reason Which dates from 1965 Where he really described uh, the history of madness, uh, insanity, mental illness But took it very much from a perspective of how did the culture, the society define Mental illness itself, uh, rather than necessarily what, what the um, the individual psychological medical uh, phenomenon was, and he describes uh, a great de- decree in sixteen fifty six which confined the insane, the unemployed, and the socially aberrant to the Hôpital Général de Paris, which Ironically perhaps, or symbolically perhaps, was formerly the home of lepers and the plague-ridden. And he described this as the Great Confinement. And one of the fascinating things was very quickly, very suddenly, a very large proportion. uh, One percent of the population of Paris was actually confined in these places. And although he may have exaggerated, he certainly described a powerful historical metaphor, the Great Confinement, that described how a political order, economic drivers, an array of ideas and a new pattern of disease could rapidly change the daily life of people. And I wondered then, could we be living through another such moment as people began to share hashtags, stay at home and people like myself at that point made the voluntary decision to stop going to the office stop going on public transport before that really hard lockdowns at least in Australia had begun. There was a real sense in which it was almost the citizens citizenry were voting for health with their feet uh, rather than the government enforcing it on them. And there I wrote, unlike Foucault's great confinement, this great seclusion is driven more by the ordinary person concerned to protect their family and friends from unwitting infection, which they and the authorities can do nothing else about. More that is than it is driven by the commanding heights of reason in Foucault's explanation, or the confusing directives of the governments and chief medical officers of the world, who at this time were still, you know, struggling to get their story straight, who have been jumped by a social problem to which they cannot readily adapt their systems and institutions. We do not Know how long this great seclusion will last for? for Fifteen days to slow to spread, or will it be for six months or more? As we need to adapt to later waves of more transmissible or more deadly strains of this and other viruses, there will be many inconveniences and difficulties, there will be many deaths and losses. We may see serious strains on the economy and social order. We may see the spread of bad ideas from both elites and the deplorables. We may see more modern bread riots as consumers fight over access to rationed goods in our modern capitalist supermarkets. Written, I must say, in the midst of the great Toilet paper panic of 2022. But might this voluntary great seclusion also give birth to something better in our cultural lives. Even in the face of many deaths and great tragedies. Something that we will not want to give up when business and the authorities call us to return to normal later in the year. Or maybe three years later. I've just added that in. In many traditions, seclusion has long been a practice of spiritual renewal. And perhaps this great seclusion will be similar, I wondered aloud. We can hope it will reveal some better ways to live and work and play than those we have institutionalized in the great borderless consumer market. Over the last 50 years. So I think at that point. I didn't really know what was coming. And there was yet a sense of it being really quite significant. But also some level of foreboding about it all. And no doubt 2021 has been the great. The great seclusion has carried on. Melbourne in this year achieve the uh, memorable, distinguished, honourable status of being the world's most locked down city. I don't know, it was about 280 days or something like that, Um, maybe more, pretty much a year. And I think many people have experienced some of those kind of benefits and renewals and uh, time with friends but I also think a lot of the the conflict and the fraying at the edges and the difficulties of it all has been a big thing and I guess uh during the year I I remember listening to I think it was the rest is history podcast who was talking to a tech entrepreneur Mark Andreessen who was reflecting on I guess the social response to the pandemic and how it came at a time when people were you know deeply isolated uh, not, not uh, well, I mean I were not as isolated as being locked down in your own home but I, I mean there was a widespread concern around social fragmentation and social isolation and a lack of community all those sort of themes I was sort of articulating in the early days of the podcast And it gave people, I guess, a reason, not so much to live, but a a reason to, a, a banner to rally behind of fighting for public health, fighting for COVID safe rules, all the rest of it. And I think certainly this has been one of the most interesting and curious phenomenon, I guess, to observe during the last two years, this strong bottom-up drive to enforce strong social rules and strong social sanctions around the pandemic. And some of that has been, I guess, really positive. Uh, Some of it has gone too far. And there's also been a growing, growing, um, I guess, rebellion Uh, let's say, let's call it, uh, against the great seclusion, as many of those most deeply affected by the restrictions and the rules have decided it's enough or that people just wanted their uh, normal life back, not some newfangled new normal. And so as time has gone on, we've seen these contradictory impulses within the society I guess of cohesion around a new identity of being a a good COVID citizen and separation and revolt against those identities as well and worldwide there have been extraordinary large large protests around it and people have uh, experienced great losses, great great losses and many of them I guess are wondering whether it's really really worthwhile and whether they have not been lied to or betrayed by their elites uh, in various ways that they've, they've ended up being in a kind of Society that they really don't want to continue to be in, and they don't see an exit path. And for many of them, that is leading to discussions around, like I've heard many people, at least in certain streams of media, talk about going rural, getting away from uh, big tech, leaving certain countries or societies moving to places where restrictions are less intense or just I've been surprised to find even here in Melbourne quite a lot of discussion around like the Baclav Havel parallel society concept of um, well you know if I'm not able to get a certain set of services because there are check-in rules or vaccination rules or or whatever um, then I'll go to someone who's prepared to work outside those rules and will treat me um, as um, the way I would like and, and setting up I guess separate Separate communities, separate institutions. So I guess there's been a re-scrambling or a reformation of new islands in the great bay of islands that is our society today in response to this great big uh, social event of the great seclusion. It's been a fascinating thing to observe and I think it will be Something that historians will write about for many years to come and explore all the different ways in which people have responded to this, this great social stressor, this great event, this great um, opportunity to form new or different identities. My prediction for next year is really that this will continue, but I think we've probably passed peak COVID extremism on either side of the argument, I think. There has been, to me at least, a disturbing tendency in the last six months or so to, I guess, demonise a new untouchable class defined by their medical status or their their um, politico-social beliefs. And I think that is a very dangerous tendency in a society which is already fragmented and has many, many forms of soft coercion, both from the state and also from wider social groups, Uh, it would be a very regrettable thing if that were to continue. But I think Both the scale of the uh, protests against uh, mass restrictions um, and their breadth across so many societies, their breadth across different social groups, and the, uh, I guess, the emerging evidence now that Omicron is a more infectious and less severe virus will lead people to pull back from the brink of those more extreme tendencies so in the end although I think at times in 2021 our society has ended in a quite dark place of comparisons of mass formation psychosis and that sort of thing comparisons with totalitarianism and uh, internment camps and all that sort of stuff I think we are going to be pulling back from that in 2022 and there'll be a, a new challenge, I guess, of getting past, getting past the great seclusion, overcoming great seclusion. If you like, there'll be a great challenge of the, rather like at the end of World War One and end of World War Two, societies faced enormous challenges in demobilising the mass Popular armies that had been brought together to fight a global total war. I think we all um, face a challenge of demobilizing the great COVID wartime citizen army over the next year or so. And part of that will be a need to work together together. In a spirit of kindness and generosity and plurality and tolerance. I guess common terms used on this show to overcome the wounds of the pandemic. And the wounds of perhaps the the more zealous uh, policies pursued in the interests of public health. Over the last two years. And I think that will be. A test for us all to not descend into recrimination, uh, but to find a way to forgive each other for whatever our sins may be. And to move forward to find a way that we can uh, live with this uh, virus in a beautiful bay a beautiful society of islands and this idea I, I must say has been expressed by the Australian economist Gigi Foster who's a, a, a fierce critic of lockdowns and the policies um, of, of what she described as the illusion of control uh, pursued in many of these public health policies but who nevertheless said there's no point blaming people or having investigations and kind of Nuremberg trials for breaches of medical ethics and some of those kind of things that some of the opponents of lockdowns have advocated but we really do need to find a way to work together forgive each other for whatever extremes perhaps in the light of experience we perhaps regret making and making it okay for people to say "Ah, you know in the midst of a crisis perhaps we did make mistakes mistakes that we now regret that we see what the consequences were and that can be for both people who oppose certain actions and people who supported certain actions as well as indeed it could be for people who've shouted at people not wearing masks or caricatured people for their, their views on a complex issue or, you know, abused customer service staff for uh, whatever reason, whether it's about delays or having to show a QR code or whatever. Uh, we've all gone through a huge strain on social fragmentation, in the midst of being not being able to do basic social things that we normally are able to do, and I think 2022 will be the year of uh, learning to be a decent society again. At least I certainly hope so. So, and I think, I think, wow, if Germany can recover from Nazism if uh, Russia can recover from the collapse of the Soviet Union and, you know, uh, many decades of totalitarian or, you know, um, post totalitarian rule. Surely our strong, vibrant, wealthy, rich, educated, incredibly healthy notwithstanding coronavirus societies can find a way to uh, get past the great seclusions of 2021 and 2022 and enjoy the society of islands to come okay that's it for this episode I hope you can join me for the last of my summer edition episodes next week, which is about cultural decay, and I think I think I'll strike an even more optimistic note in that one uh, as well, because I see growing signs, not least not least in the uh, podcast here, uh, the Burning Archive podcast of cultural renewal. So in the meantime, I hope you continue to enjoy your summer or if you're in the northern hemisphere, your winter and enjoy the good things that life has to offer.